so often I meet someone who fills in some of the blanks of my own alien life. These profound stories we share that often make our experiences seem clearer also seem to raise more questions. Tonight I talk with an experiencer who has not only been on an incredible journey, but one that allowed her the ability to communicate with aliens. This story is different. It's different because I believe it's absolutely real. Tonight, Serena Radcliffe and I talk about her alien life. That and more is coming right up on My Alien Life. My Alien Life is recorded live from atop the Northern Rocky Mountains and is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and everywhere fine podcasts are found. My website is at www.myalienlifepodcast.com. There you will find my email address, all previously recorded shows, and more. I am Cameron Brower. This is My Alien Life, and the podcast starts right now. My Alien Life Podcast. My guest tonight is an experiencer, and that's an understatement. Over the last few weeks, I've heard part of her story, and it's made me question my own experiences in a different way. And I'm happy to welcome Serena Radcliffe to the program. Thank you so much for joining me, and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited to to talk with you tonight. Yeah, we kind of, uh, you know, met like a lot of people do when, when they're telling their stories online and and um, this one really stood out to me and you kind of reached out. So it's an honor for me to have you here so you can tell your remar- your remarkable story. And where do we start? Um, where did your alien life begin, I guess we could say? Uh, well, um, like, I, like, I, like I told you, I, I started experiencing things when I was little. Um, when I was a child, I was, you know, uh, in my room experiencing things that I'm not sure if all children experience but for me it was normal because I had nothing to uh, judge it up against um, until later on in life so uh, when I was younger I really didn't question uh, a lot of the things that I saw um, the first things that I experienced were 
orbs, light orbs. Um, they're mostly just pink and green, and they're beautiful. They're really pretty. Um, when I was a child, they would comfort me. I, I saw them for probably maybe three or four years out of my life, um, just kind of being comforted by them. Um, a lot of the times when I was trying to go to sleep as a little kid or I would be crying, they would come through the window and they would surround me and they would just give me a, a really warm, kind of fuzzy, happy feeling. <laughs> You mentioned the and, word. Uh, you mentioned the word "normal" in there, though. That um, did that feel normal? For sure. Yes, it was totally normal. And um, many of the experiences that I had later on, as well, also seemed kind of uh, normal. <laughs> Looking back on them now, of course, it's really hard to call them normal. <clears throat> the new normal um (laughs) (laughs) right right i mean mean, many people do call that normal i mean there's i have plenty of people who've been on and and you know that's a normal part of their life so when you said it was normal you know that (laughs) that uh sounds right yeah i mean and and i wish it was normal for everyone because uh the orbs were actually really really pleasant um and i enjoyed them but they did they did stop coming to me um, after a while, and as I'm sure many of the people you've spoken with as well, I started to experience um, sleep paralysis right around eight or nine years old. Um, I started to wake in the middle of the night, and it, I would be completely paralyzed. My body wouldn't move an inch, and lights would be coming in through the window and completely illuminating my bedroom. Um, if that wasn't scary enough, then uh, the shapes, you know, the shadows would start to move uh, around in my room. And, and I just remember being so scared and terrified of that. It was it was so, uh, you know, against, you know, anything a child wants to experience at night. You know, you want to be safe in your room, in your bed. And, um, you know, something was in the room with me. Um, and I started to really panic. Um, I, I know I went through a lot of panicked nights. I would kind of go into a blackout state of fear, and um, I would kind of draw myself, because I couldn't even blink, I would draw myself into my own mind, I guess you could say. And I almost created like a whole separate like part of myself where I could go in there and I could hide, and I wouldn't come out. And, and I don't know really you know, what happened to me those nights because I've never done um, hypnosis or regression or anything like that. But that was something I, I definitely thought about doing in my 20s when I started to look back on those, um, those nights and I started to question, you know, what, what had happened to me. Did you ever tell anybody uh, about remember, it? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I told my parents and um, <laughs> it caused some friction in the family, um, mainly because, my parents were really weird about the lights and they, they kept blaming me and they kept saying, Oh, you're, you're wasting electricity. You're turning the lights on and leaving them on. The problem was is the lights were never on. It was some other light, you know, it was coming in from the windows. It was coming, it was illuminating the bedroom from outside. And um, that was a point of contention in our family was they thought that I was 
waking up in the middle of the night, turning all the lights on in the bedroom, and then complaining about it the next day. Uh, it was really hard for them to understand something else might be going on. And especially when I was only eight or nine, I really couldn't uh, describe what was happening, mainly because I was blacking myself out out of fear. And um, and so I just stopped talking to my parents about it. I really just, you know, without the kind of support that your parents can give you, there really wasn't anywhere else to go with that information. So I, I kind of just, <laughs> I guess just suffered for maybe three years going through those um, those night terrors. Uh, it was pretty bad. Um, I was pretty traumatized from that. Um, I did see a, a very, very large UFO during that period of time um, outside of my house. And uh, I was probably like nine years old and I was home from school. Uh, my brothers were in the house and they were watching television. It was just an ordinary afternoon, probably like three o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, I was standing on my deck outside and a mile wide, like mile long UFO just started to uh, hover uh, over the valley. So I, I was kind of standing on a deck looking out over the valley and, and this just humongous UFO just started to slowly kind of hover there. And I mean, it came from behind the trees. So that's, you know, when I first started to notice it and then it just, the whole thing, you know, it, it revealed itself. <laughs> it was so big. And um, I remember staring at it and I kept thinking, why isn't it making a sound? You know, where is the sound? I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't hear a engine. I, I mean, it just was sitting there in the sky. And I was just staring at it. And uh, I noticed everything about it. It was very, uh, uh, exactly what you would think of a UFO would look like. It was the perfect saucer shape with the perfect dome top. And uh, the only weird thing about it, <laughs> to this day, I still can't wrap my head around, you know, some of these features that were on the UFO, it was um, the color of like a Navy ship, like almost like a steel gray. And it had kind of like um, that same type of steel look of a, of a ship. And this is the weirdest part. It had USA, USA stenciled on the outside of it. So why do, why do you think, was, have you thought about why that was? I mean, cause, cause I read uh, about well, that yeah, and I was, I was pretty amazed by that, but, uh, you know, of course I've thought about it many times. I thought, well, that's just really strange. But at the time when I was looking at it, I assumed that it was a government UFO, like a government you know, saucer. I didn't know at the time. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> I did. I was young. I was only nine years old back right. then. <laughs> there wasn't the internet. You know, I'm I'm you know, almost forty. So back then there was no internet. We we didn't have. We had a little television that was like a black and white TV. It didn't have many channels. So. I can't even remember if I watched TV when I was a kid. But I just kind of thought maybe it was just a normal government. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's probably the weirdest part about it, you know, was that, was that, was it, was it hiding itself that way? I mean, I can't imagine that many people would set, you know, look at that and say, that's a UFO from, 
the United States government. I don't know if that was for me just to, you know, if they knew I was a child, if I would believe something like that, but I didn't say anything to anyone. In fact, I stood there for quite a long time staring at it. I ate my sandwich and I went back inside and watched cartoons with my brothers. (laughs) You know, that was (laughs) when I look back on that moment, I think, gosh, you know, if I, if I'd seen that UFO now, I would be running around telling everybody probably and, you know, going online and looking it up. But at the time, you know, maybe a decade went by before I even thought about that moment again. Did you ever feel that your uh, state of mind was altered? Did you feel different physically, mentally when you were having these experiences? Yes, because when you look back on those experiences, you think to yourself, well, why didn't I say something? Why didn't I go running into the house like a, like a screaming Mimi and tell my brother, there's a UFO outside. And I, I wonder why that didn't happen. Why I would, I, you know, is it a screen memory where I just ate my sandwich calmly and then went inside and didn't think about it for 10 years? <laughs> I mean, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. That's one of the questions that I always have. Um, so, yeah, I, I would, I would love to go to a hypnotherapist and really go and, and dig through those particular memories. Would you I think some interesting things would be there? Oh, of course. See, yeah, I, I, I would, I would totally do that. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I mean, I've been asked that and I've had, um, a couple of hypnotherapists, hypnotherapists on the show and, um, you know, it's just, it's just not something that I am really wanting to know. I mean, there's, there's some, some blank pages there in my story and, and, yeah, I could live without that, I think. I yeah, I think I've kind of come to that conclusion too. Like I, I would I would I would try it, but I'm not actively seeking to to know because it does seem like there's some huge missing parts of those memories. And maybe maybe they're missing for a perfectly good reason. And you you know, once you get them back you have to deal with the repercussions of that as well. Yeah. So so how many times do you think you um, talk to your parents about that, like before the age of uh, maybe well, 13, 14? I never told them about the UFO. Right. Um, at that point in my life, I had been dealing with those things at night for so long that I I really just didn't feel like I had the support system. To, you know, and, and then plus there was also just that kind of like odd uh, disinterest in it. Um, which obviously seems a little bit odd and a little off and probably wasn't natural. Um, you mean, you mean no the disinterest that your parents had? No, the disinterest when I saw the UFO. Oh, like, I gotcha. I honestly just, I honestly just, I really just went into the house and mm-hmm. watched cartoons and, and I never told anybody. It was, it was just a really odd, odd, an odd memory. But um, as I got older, uh, the, the UFOs, um, I did see more UFOs, not up close and personal, but just very strange lights over my house. Um, the kind where the, you know, they come down and you see like the, the star moving towards your house and then moving away at great speed. I saw that so many times when I was younger. Um, it it just honestly seemed like a normal, normal thing. (laughs) Um, and then as I got older and I started to, you know, I, I, I moved away from California. Of course, of course, this happened in California. <laughs> moved away from California, moved to the East Coast and started kind of living my life as an adult. 
And uh, I started to question the things that happened to me in my childhood. I started to realize that I was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. And I started to kind of look into like how to deal with the, the traumatic nature of basically feeling like I had been violated. And I started to wonder what happened to me. And um, it didn't happen anymore. So I was kind of thinking, like, why aren't I experiencing sleep paralysis anymore? Because when I, you know, I started when I was an adult and I started looking into sleep paralysis, um, you know, science says that it's, it's a naturally occurring phenomenon and that it can happen to you at any time. It can happen to anyone. And um, so I kind of started saying, well, why isn't it happening to me anymore? Um, it didn't happen to me for uh, 10 years, um, <laughs> which is a really long time. So when you said PTSD, you're talking about PTSD from, from these extraterrestrial-like experiences, right? Yes, okay. most definitely. I mean, it was, it was like I kept fearing that it was going to happen to me again. I kept waiting for it to happen. I kept waiting for it to happen. And as it, as, as the years went by, I started to think maybe none of that did happen. Maybe I just imagined it all. Maybe, maybe I was abused. I started to, you know, come up with these crazy ideas. Like, you know, somebody was coming into my room at night and attacking me. And that's why I had to, you know, black out. And that's why I had, you know, that's why I'm so scared of the dark. And that's why I'm so scared of, you know, lights coming in from the windows. And I, I tried to come up with all of these different kind of scenarios that maybe, maybe what the reason could be um, while I was experiencing these, um, you know, this kind of like deep dread that it was going to happen to me again. Very common. So that's very common. It's not unusual. So, yeah. um, you know, again, you're talking about hypno hypnotherapy and regression therapy and, um, you know, it's, I got to say, I don't think it's for everybody. And I've talked to many people who wouldn't do it or they don't want to do it um, because there's some real deep feelings there. However, I do think that this type of thing, you know, in my own experience, being able to talk to so many people who had these experiences and um, try to uh, put more pieces in the puzzle is, is beneficial in some way. And I don't know why that would be. I, you know, two, five, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have, ever thought that, but every year I think it gets easier. So I think, I think you're on the right track and, and, um, you know, this is from a total layman when it comes to this, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of people out there who, who have experienced this and, and what you're, what you're telling me really isn't unusual, but there are a lot of things in your story that are extremely unique. So I want to hear about those too. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny that you say that because, um, at, you know, when when you, when you start to try to figure out what happened to you as a person who has had abduction experiences, one of the first things that you go through is just a feeling of isolation, and you know, because you do, you just feel so uh, alone. You don't really know who you can tell. And I have, you know, like many people probably have, kind of considered like talking to a professional about it. But you know, honestly, what stopped me was I just thought the professionals out there would probably just think I was completely insane and not really help me at all. So, <laughs> you know, and I have actually spoken with a couple of therapists. I haven't done the regression, like I said, but I have spoken with a couple of therapists and, and uh, fortunately they've, 
not given me the you're insane look. They've they've kind of been like, wow, you know, I, I didn't know that people were getting abducted like that. Um, so it is, it's really, you know, one of those things where like, when I look back on it, I could have probably gone and gotten some hypnotherapy, but every time I thought to do that, I, I kind of came up with an excuse <laughs> to not do it just because it kind of scared me. So, um, yes, I just kind of went through my twenties dealing with post-traumatic stress from it. Um, it was hard for me to go through that, but, um, I did meet someone, my husband who, absolutely is so supportive and wonderful and um when I met my husband um I was about 20 uh I think 28 29 and I was still living on the east coast hadn't had any sleep paralysis in a decade hadn't had any um weird UFO sightings kind of thought it was behind me um was living my life like any normal person I owned a business I was happy, doing well. I kind of felt like I wanted to maybe kind of understand my childhood a little bit better, but I was putting it behind me. Um, and I was just moving forward with my life. But for some reason, when I met my husband, my future husband, um, everything kind of changed. And um, it was like, I can't really describe it more than I could just say it was like a uh, pair of scissors cut my destiny and it just I was happy I had my own business all of a sudden I met my future husband and everything changed and I felt this overwhelming desire and urge to go back to California um which <laughs> very it just I mean it upended my whole life I had to sell my business I had to move across the country and um my my future husband was happy to do that. He was excited about moving. But for me, I really couldn't tell you why at the time, but it was really like like I was being directed to do this, to move. And as soon as I got back to California, the sleep paralysis immediately started again. Um, I started, this, I mean, it gets very, very strange once I moved back to California almost immediately. Um, I started experiencing things that, just it just it, it started all over again the the night terrors the lights um this time there was more which was um this horrifying creepy crawly thing in my ear <laughs> this is going to just sound completely out there um but i went to the doctor for this i was taking pictures of this and i was just there was something in my ear and i you know, I, I went to a doctor and he looked at my ear and he said, no, your ear is, ear is fine. I'm, I, I remember telling him, there is a, a spider in my ear. <laughs> I was like, I know there's a spider. It crawled in my ear. It's in there. It's building webs or something. I could hear like this horrible sound. It was like scratching inside my eardrum. And um, it was torment. It was torture. And I was working as um, a naturopathic um, doctor's assistant in Monterey and I you know I'm trying to deal with patients all day and I've got this weird thing going on in my ear and, and I'm starting to think I'm crazy again you know I'm having these sleep paralysis I'm I'm hearing these sounds coming from my ear my doctor's telling me no you're fine and um, <laughs> I wasn't fine I was really freaked out and um, then the thing in my ear started making sounds it was like 
this humming sound, this harmonic sound, and it did it like at the weirdest, most annoying times that you can imagine. So like, I would be, my husband would hug me because we were married, and my husband would hug me, and the the sound would come out of my ear, and I'm thinking like, oh my god, I can't, I don't know what this is, I can't put up with this. Even now, can I look back on this? I still. So that moment in time still was not saying it's aliens. <laughs> I wasn't even, it wasn't even on my radar. I was still not um, invested in that. I wasn't even thinking aliens. I wasn't thinking abduction. Um, all that stuff I told you about my childhood. I never once Googled alien abduction in my twenties. I just, I didn't go there in my head. I, I thought I was always trying to come up with some, logical explanation for it all and with the ear thing I you know I thought okay let me rule everything out that I can rule out so I rolled out TMJ I rolled out um you know a spider in my ear because I figured if it was a spider I would die after like a week (laughs) and then it would be gone and my ear would be fine and everything would be fine no it was there for two long years and I just, it was a really awful experience for me. I, I mean, I was, <laughs> I was really just kind of trumped. I, I, I couldn't figure it out. My doctor was at a loss. I, I was living with this weird sound all the time. And um, finally, this is um, the night that I figured out that it was aliens. I am laying in bed and I'm hearing a song. And the song is playing in my room. I I get up, I look around, I'm looking for, you know, the the source of the music. I'm picking up phones to see if the phones are on. I'm looking at the television. Nothing is turned on. And I realize that the sound is like a song coming from my ear. And all of a sudden, when I realized that the room just, exploded in light um like silver purple light and I couldn't see anything at first because I was blinded but then I could see like these shapes and the shapes were really beautiful there was a triangle there was a square there was a circle and they were different colors they were pink green blue very beautiful and at the time that this is happening to me, I could totally understand what was happening. I, I, it was like, I knew exactly what was happening. I was being moved. My body was being moved. I was, I was moved, being moved through this tunnel of shapes. And while the music was playing in my ear, the shapes were moving, um, to the same, um, I guess they were oscillating to the music. And it was pushing me through the tunnel. And I, I completely understood it was like a telepathic experience. I was, I was being transferred in a really cool way. Better than an elevator, better than a car. It was like really neat. And it wasn't scary. I wasn't scared at all. Um, when I opened my eyes again, I was on board an actual spaceship. I was overlooking the Earth. I could see the beautiful curve of the curvature of the planet in the distance. There was floor to ceiling windows. It was, it was beautiful. I was laying in a bed and um, 
I was handed a baby. And this is like, it's really weird. Um, the baby was alien. It had big black eyes. It had, um, it's hard to describe the face because the face looked like a baby's face, but it was very pale. It was wrapped in a white blanket. And I knew that they were handing it to me to see how I would feel about it. And I, I didn't feel maternal over it. And I remember not feeling maternal over it and handing it back in a way that kind of gave them the impression that I wasn't interested in it. And that was what they wanted to know. I could tell, I knew what they wanted to know. They wanted to know if I accepted the baby and I didn't, I didn't accept it. I handed it back. And <laughs> um, I woke up the next morning in my bed and I was bruised. I was bleeding. Um, I was completely in shock. Just, I had um, three uh, bleeding marks on my navel, other places. I was, I was a mess. I wrote so down you, you had, you had, you had marks on your body that, um, yes. so exterior, so you could see those. I, I actually still have them. Yeah. They, they, wow. did, they went away. The, the blood went away, but they, the marks never did. They stayed there. Um, just three little, you know, three little puncture wounds right underneath my belly button. So your husband got to see these before, you know, before and after, right? Yeah. I actually took pictures of those. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, I, what's I would, he feeling? I took pictures of everything. <laughs> so, how does he feel? And and has felt well, like even you know, then I, is that that's to me that would have just been over the top. Um, yeah. Right? Yeah, we felt attacked. Um, exactly. That's kind of how we felt. We felt attacked. It, it got very personal um, because all of a sudden I, I kind of was like, "Oh my god, you know why am I bleeding? Why?" Uh, why am I bruised? Why, why is my body, you know, in this state? And, um, and what are they going to do to me next? That was like my biggest fear is what they were going to do to me next. Because at that point I hadn't had any kind of conversations about this. It was just like, snatch me out of my bed, pull me through some weird multidimensional tunnel, show me a baby. Like, Oh, that's like, you know, that's a lot on a first date, you know? And that, and so I kind of was just like, I don't know if I can handle this. And that was just really the beginning of the fight. So, it, and I consider this the biggest fight of my life was to stop these abductions. Um, so I just decided I couldn't, you know, I didn't want them to take me anymore. Um, and it gets even worse. Um, I was bleeding and, and you can just fill in the blank there. I was bleeding yeah. in places. And uh, two weeks later, I took a pregnancy test and I was pregnant. So, yeah, (laughs) so you can just imagine the fear, the fear that I had, because one, I didn't know if it was my husband's baby. I didn't know if it was my baby. I I just didn't know. After that experience, I knew that they had messed with my body. I knew that they had done something to me that was on a personal level. It was not okay. And I, uh, you know, based on the tunnel that they pulled me through, based on that, I started researching and I started looking at everything I could. And what I really found the biggest connection between that experience and the science 
was um, things like sine waves and frequencies and EMF. And so I started fighting back with that. I started um, using EMF blockers. I did everything in my power. I moved my bed away from the window. Um, <laughs> just the stupidest stuff you can imagine, just trying to protect myself. And um, I was being uh, paralyzed every night after that, that, you know, that terrifying experience. And, um, you know, one night I woke up and there was a giant UFO over my, my house. And I had a skylight in my bedroom. I looked up, I could see it. It was, you know, just hovering over the house. And it was just like a bunch of circular lights right down, looking down at me. Couldn't move, couldn't run, couldn't hide. So did what I did when I was a kid, just blacked out. Um, two days later, I saw that UFO on the news. And it was, somebody had taken a picture of it. People had seen it. It had been flying over Texas. And it's actually still a picture that you can find online. Um, but that's the UFO that I saw. It was two days later that I saw it on the news. And I said, oh, my God, that's, that's the UFO I just saw. And things just got weirder and weirder. So my husband and I were just kind of fighting against this in any way we could using um, EMF stuff, anti-EMF stuff. And I'm talking like anything we could find. Pills, you can take pills that, you know, are anti-EMF blockers. You can put anti-EMF stickers on things. You can, I mean, you can get window coverings. Like it, it was pathetic. Foil hats. And, Right. No, I don't think those work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, hey, I'm I'm on board, even if there's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I would have done anything to protect myself. But the, the weirdest thing ended up protecting me, and that was my husband's body. So I would be laying in bed, and he knew that I was, you know, going through this. So we were kind of coming up with a plan, and I said, babe, you know, you got to help me when, when I start to feel the paralysis coming on. I am going to nudge you with my pinky and, and then I want you to just throw yourself on top of me so they can't take me. That was my, that was my last line of defense with my husband. <laughs> and, and it actually worked. So I started to nudge him and a couple of times I, I got him with my pinky before my body like really went completely paralyzed and he would do it. He would, he would, quickly move and roll over on top of me and I would immediately be back in my body. It was incredible. I was so grateful for this reprieve. I was, it was like the best experience ever for me. I was just like, ha, you know, we you can't come and get me now. You know, it was kind of like a fight, you know, I was, I was constantly like, yeah, you guys, you know, flipping off the sky, like, ha, you didn't get me tonight. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. totally pathetic human behavior. <laughs> I don't think that's pathetic. I, I think it's, um, it's a, it, that comes from the feeling of, of a total lack of control. You feel like, right. um, you want this to go away, but it's, it's not yeah. like, um, you know, it's not like a grizzly bear and you have, you have a pepper spray. It's not like, um, right. you know, it's a, it's a human being you and you have really. a gun. Right, right, right. So yeah. it's like you have, and there's you can find online. I can tell you yeah. that right now because yeah. when you start to research how to stop yourself from being abducted, there's nothing. Um, and really, that's what saved me was was science. Science saved me. So, mm -hmm. you know, I just I just started researching frequencies and and how to block them because clearly they had done something with a frequency, 
and me. They were using frequencies, sine waves, you know, was what I kind of found online as far as like music and, and shape. But it was so much more complex than that. You know, we're right. using those things totally differently than they are. Um, and, and so essentially what happened was my, my husband started blocking whatever frequency they were using to move me, which was great. <laughs> and um, until they showed up. So they actually came to our house after that. And um, I was asleep. My husband heard something um, outside and he woke up. To, the, to something outside of our house. And he said that there was three little tiny people, you know, children, he thought. He thought, there, he thought they were children because he could see their shapes outside of our door. We had a glass door. We had the worst house you can imagine for someone being abducted. I had like a huge <laughs> skylight over my bed. I had a glass door. We lived in the woods. It, it was probably the worst place we could have lived. But uh, you do what you gotta do when you live in California. <laughs> so I, I basically, he told me that they were standing at the door one second, three of them, and they, he said they were pinkish gray. And then uh, the next second, when he blinked, they were at the bedside. He reached over and he turned on the lamp, but he did it so fast that the lamp fell over on top of where he said they were standing. And when he got the light on, they were gone. So that was the end of that with us. We didn't, I didn't ever see the aliens in person, but uh, I never saw the aliens again. They never, they never came back for me again after that. And um, I did actually have a miscarriage about two days later, um, which, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was relieved because I thought um, I just didn't know what that baby was the whole time I was pregnant I was I felt like a a rock was inside of my body didn't feel any connection to it I literally just felt like a horrible feeling of dread about it so right after that um, after they came to our house and and my husband scared them away I had the miscarriage and we kind of moved on from that it was one of those <laughs> things where I kept waiting again I kept waiting I kept waiting I kept waiting for them to come back and they never did and I really kind of felt like I won a battle uh, really you know it was, it was it was I felt like I had fought a really good fight <laughs> and of course my husband and I decided screw California <laughs> let's get out of here so we we moved back to the east coast and um very glad we did. It, I don't know why. I've never had a single experience on the East Coast as far as being abducted. Or, yeah, of course. This is, this is the interesting thing is once the abduction stopped, once that night that they came and then they and then they left, um, I never had a problem with my ear. That thing that was in my ear immediately stopped, and the night paralysis um, being sucked out of my body that also stopped. Um, and I think that's really cool because. It goes against what science tells us. Science tells us, um, you know, that those things are natural phenomenons. And maybe they could be in some people. But um, I believe that that's how they, you know, they separate you from your body so that they can move you. It's almost like they can't move you and your body together through those 
you know, whatever aliens these were, that that's how they move you. And, and I think the sleep process was a big part of that. Um, move me, moving you from, you know, your house, your room, you know, to those ships, because we don't really see people flying through the sky. We don't see bodies, you know, coming out of the roofs of their houses and going up into the sky and being transferred like that. So there's just something really weird going on with, with the physicality of it. And that really made me interested. But um, I actually decided not to pursue, again, any kind of hypnotherapy or anything like that. I was just so grateful that it was over. I can't even tell you how grateful I was. I was just ecstatic. I was on cloud nine. And um, once again, my husband and I were on the East Coast. We started living our life, kind of normal life again. Um, I have two young children. I have a, a four-year-old and I have a, a eight-month-old. And um, living the life, we moved out here to the beach. Beautiful. <laughs> Going to the beach every day, having a wonderful time. And I started to just kind of put that stuff behind me again. Um, really just because I, I didn't really know how to unpack all that. It was just very a lot of trauma, again, a lot of like questions, but also oddly enough, I still hadn't researched aliens. <laughs> I still had kind of these mind blocks against it. There was like a block in my mind where I was just, I was looking into the technology that was really interesting to me. And I was looking into like, you know, I was doing a lot of studying about electromagnetics and you know, I, once you get me hooked on science, I go way down the rabbit hole of science. I love science so much. So I was really kind of researching that and not really researching the aliens because I just didn't really know where to start with that. And um, maybe I just, maybe I had a block in my mind. I don't know. But um, I started living my life. Um, very happy um, having children. And um, I was about four months pregnant. And my girlfriend who's an author out here um, on the East Coast, she really wanted me to go to a, um, a tea leaf reading. And I'd never been to one. So um, I was happy to go. And, you know, she saw that I was pregnant. And, you know, I thought for sure she was going to read my tea leaf and she was going to say something like, you know, your dead dad is coming through. <laughs> or tell me maybe about my child or, you know, tell me something cool about my future. No, this tea leaf reader looked right into my teacup and she was like, oh, look at all the flying saucers. And then she started talking about the aliens. Oh, wow. <laughs> and my poor girlfriend, who knows nothing about my alien abductions, she just kind of looked over at me because I started to shake and I started to cry because I had never really talked about it before. And she was like, is this true? <laughs> and And it was crazy because the tea leaf reader started telling me all these things. I have no idea how she knew this about me, but she told me, you know, she's like, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Um, they chose you for a reason to, to serve humanity, to be a, to do a service to humanity and you're doing it and they're watching you right now. And I'm like looking up at the sky going, no, <laughs> I don't want them here. I don't want them in my life, you know, cause I've been so traumatized. And so I, I kind of was like, oh, my God, they're still around. And she said, yes, they're still around. They've been watching you your whole life. And they're not going anywhere. 
And that, of course, terrified me. I was completely horrified by that. And um, I, I kind of thought it over a little bit, and I, and I kind of tried to think about like how I could come to terms with these aliens in my life. I don't know anything about aliens at this point. They're just abductors to me. That's how I felt. Was you, let me ask you a question. Do you feel your reluctance to find out about extraterrestrials is because possibly you want your experience to, experiences rather to be um, something other than UFOs and aliens? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I come from a background of science. So for me, like, it's really hard because when you are trying to understand something that is a phenomenon and isn't backed by scientific study. That can be very difficult for a person like me because I'm very much like, I want to understand things. I want to know why they happen. And the UFO and alien phenomenon is something that is not really well documented as far as like, you know, legitimate scientific research. And that's really unfortunate and it's not right. Like it's really unfair. And, and it's just that when you're trying to find like legitimate resources, there's nothing, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of like mumbo jumbo and stuff out there that like, you're not really sure about, you can't really trust it. And so my response was to just kind of stay away from it all and to just keep on going down the science, you know, aspect of it, try to find connections that I could apply into my, you know, what happened to me. And okay, so, you know, I go through these experiences and I can find sine waves because sine waves look exactly like what I saw in my experience. So I'm going to research sine waves. So, you know, some people might've been like, I'm going to research these aliens. Nope, didn't do that. So at this point I thought, okay, the aliens are still in my life. I have to deal with them again. Great. And um, at this point, um, I started to have like, I wish I have to say like out of body ex- experiences, because I think once they start pulling you out of your body so many times, it's very easy to leave your body. So like I was having these out of body experiences where I could easily leave my body and I could easily kind of like astral, astral project. I could, I guess you call it where you can, cause like my husband's really into meditation. He's really into like sitting and meditating. I'm the opposite. I don't like to sit. I don't like to meditate. I like to do other things. (laughs) And every time I would sit and meditate, I would be, I would start to astral project. It was like a a weird thing that I couldn't really control. And every single time I would get down to that kind of subconscious calmness, it's like my soul was like already knew like time to get out of your body and would just, and, and just start rushing through space. And so that, that really freaked me out. And um, when I started experiencing these things where I was like, okay, I'm having out-of-body experiences. I need to research this. I need to look into this and see what's going on. And I was about seven or eight months pregnant with my son, um, who's eight months now. And um, I thought, you know what? I'm going to try something really weird. I am going to... I'm going to astral project myself. I'm going to reach out. And if these aliens are out there, if they're still around, they're watching over me, even though the, they do, it doesn't feel like they are, if they're out there, maybe I can reach out to them. Now, I have never had a conversation with them up until this point. 
they'd never explained to me why they abducted me. They never had a conversation with me about anything. They never, never even apologized for any of the things that they did. So I had a very angry kind of feeling towards them. Um, but I was pregnant and, and what I thought, you know, was instead of reaching out to those aliens that I don't like who abducted me, I want to reach out to that baby that they handed to me on the spaceship. And I, that's what I thought immediately. I thought, I'll reach out to the baby, see if it is still alive, see if it grew up, and see if it's out there. And so I just kind of, like, <clears throat> reached out and sent this kind of, like, question out there. And if anybody out there is listening to this and they've ever astrally projected, it's just one of those things where, like, you can either do it or you can try to do it. And And... I, for some reason, I can just do it. So I'm reaching out. I can feel the coldness of space. The stars are like kind of flickering, really beautiful. And all of a sudden, I get an answer back. And it's not even really an answer. It's more like a merge. So like I'm laying in bed. I'm holding my, my toddler because he still sleeps in bed with us sometimes. And I've got my alarm clock set for 6 o'clock a.m. because I've got to go to a doctor's appointment at 8. And so when my alarm went off and I'm laying there, I'm reaching out, I'm actually projecting. And I, I get this answer back. And it was so hard to describe how weird this was because it's never happened to me before. This is the first time this has ever happened to me and the last time. <laughs> so I'm... Yeah, one minute I'm in my bed holding my child. The next minute I'm in a spaceship with this alien. And it's it, I'm actually like in the alien's body, merged in their, what they, where they are, what they're doing. So I'm in their head. We're in a spaceship. And I can still see my bedroom. I can still see like my family I'm not you know it's it's like I'm in two places at once and as I'm looking out of the spaceship I can see this huge body of water a beautiful beautiful ocean and we're just flying over the ocean and I'm like who are you (laughs) now I'm in this 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 creature's head now so I'm like what's your name and it tells me his name is Ben so I say okay you know Ben nice to meet you. <laughs> I'm like, are you the child? And Sen just doesn't answer the question, doesn't say yes or no, but immediately starts showing me his ship. This is like the thing that, that kind of boggles my mind was, you know, he starts, immediately starts to show me how the ship works and shows me the core of the ship, which is this big giant tube and shows me that, you know, the tube is emanating these frequencies. And he flies me up and down over this up the water. It's really cool. I mean, like, I'm, you know, so, like, you know, I'm shaking talking about it. Because it, it, was, it was a really cool thing to merge with this alien. And we're flipping the ship around. And he's showing me how how it, how agile the ship is. The ship is very agile. I mean, you could float like a leaf and and flip and and you wouldn't even feel it the, the gravity inside the ship nothing changed um 
so we're flipping around and it's really it's really pretty he's showing me this giant tower um on the planet and you know when when i say talking and stuff it's hard to describe but the thoughts that sen was having i could hear like they were my own so it's really hard to describe but it was almost like my his thoughts were my thoughts i could i could understand what was happening the second that he was thinking it so it wasn't like a it wasn't like he was saying oh this is how my ship works it was like he was just showing me with his own i don't know how to describe it so he was basically telling me that the frequency of the ship was being emanated from the core of his ship and it was reverberating against the frequency from the tower so there was a frequency coming from the tower and there was a frequency coming from his ship and it was creating a bubble a bubble of frequency around like a sonic frequency around his ship and that was creating the ability of his ship to fly the way it was flying and it was really cool because he was kind of showing me how each body each planetary body like an like the sun a planet, any kind of planetary body has a frequency to it. And once you start to um, travel planetarily, do you know, planetary travel, you just bounce your own ship's frequencies off of the frequency of whatever planetary body you're around. So, like, he was kind of showing me all these things, and I'm no physicist. <laughs> I'm also not an engineer, so I kind of understood what what he was saying I kind of understood what you know if there's any engineers or physicists out there that are are listening to this and this sounds remotely possible um you know let me know I would be so interested if it is because I of course um have been trying to research this myself since uh since I learned about it but um as we started flying around the planet you know immediately I started asking questions and I'm like well you know, is this Earth? No, this isn't Earth. Do you want to come to Earth? No, Earth is filled with humans. We don't want Earth. Okay, <laughs> so these are good questions, I think. And I'm like, well, why did you abduct me? Well, the, the answer was very different than what I expected. Um, it wasn't like they were trying to hurt me or traumatize me. It was that they don't have emotions. And they don't have feelings the way that I do. And being in the alien's head, I could sense myself. And I could sense how emotional I was. I could feel my messiness. I almost, I almost you know, hate to call myself messy. But as a human being, compared to the opposite end of that, Um, And so that's kind of where I'm going with this is that he started to tell me like their physiology, their physiology is so different than our physiology. So um, how Ben described the the differences in the physiology is that they live in the law of repulsion. We live in the law of attraction. We attract, they repulse. On a subatomic level, we repulse and they attract. So they've essentially flipped their physiology completely around. They are literally physiologically the polar opposite of 
the human physiology, how we react to matter. So here's a good example. I had to get up to get ready for my doctor's appointment. So that didn't stop Ben from talking. He kept on talking. But like I got up and I tripped and I fell. <laughs> Not completely fell, but like I ran into the wall because I'm a klutz. And Ben was just like immediately like that's the law of attraction. So I ran into the wall. Zen was like, I would have floated through the wall. I'm like, oh, that's really nice. You know, that's great. So he's like, showing off, you know, I wouldn't have tripped and fallen on my face like you. And I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, it just kept going on and on. And he was just telling me these amazing things and showing me stuff that I couldn't even tell you what they were because I'm not a hundred percent sure what some of the stuff that he was showing me, but um, basically told me that uh, they were using me and other people like me as a bridge to become planetary dwellers again. Because I, I guess because of space, because of the way that you have to be able to travel through space, they mutated themselves to get there. So like, I don't know, when you think of aliens, you think, you know, you think they were born like that. But Zen's people were not born like that. They mutated themselves to become that way so that they could travel through space. And essentially, it was because space is so big and it's so dark. And the way that he was showing me is that in order to travel through space for such a long period of time, they had to get rid of a lot of the things that would cause disruption, like jealousy, anger, um, attraction, those types of behaviors in space would cause uh, chaos. That's just how he was showing it to me. And so they developed themselves away from that behavior. They took it out of themselves. They, they took the hormonal response out of their DNA. They stripped their DNA and they, and he was showing me how they did it, but obviously I'm not a, um, a biologist. So I was kind of lost. I didn't really know what he was showing me. He was showing me these melting bubbles. I, at the time, I didn't know what that was, but um, I'll get into later how I did find out that that was actually what DNA was, was when they were you know, going into their cells and stripping open the DNA and, and um, doing things to their DNA. And at the time, I just thought, you know, what is this? This is like melting bubbles. This is so weird. So um, eventually we get to like even more information and I asked him, you know, what is, what was the thing in my ear? And he said, well, it was mapping your hormones and your frequency. Everything was frequency with these people. I mean, these aliens. And so I was just like, okay. So the sound that I was hearing for two years was me. <laughs> I was like, that's so not what I thought. Um, uh, and that was really weird. So he basically said that it was mapping my uh, hormonal response to attraction, which makes sense because at the time it was only happening when like my husband and I were kissing or hugging or doing something like that. And, at the, and, and it was very annoying when, when it was happening. So when I, when he told me it, it was to map those, hormonal responses to my husband I was that made sense 
And another thing that really does make sense too is when I started to look into um, like where the the implant was in my ear. Um, in Eastern medicine, the the way that they um, uh, stimulate fertility in women is a lot of it is in the ear. And oddly enough, if you look up ear beads, you can have these beads placed inside of your ear and stimulate your uh, your fertility, your hormones, your responses to those hormones. Um, you can balance your, your female hormones that way. And so again, you know, I'm, I'm going with science because that makes more sense to me. So I'm, you know, I'm asking him all these scientific questions about that. And um, I'm brushing my teeth also because I'm getting ready for my doctor's appointment. And my poor husband's listening to me having this conversation. He's like, who are you talking to? <laughs> and I'm like, don't worry, honey. I'm just talking to Zen the alien. It's cool. Like we're having a conversation. It's all good. And so we're like, you know, he's showing me more, more and more and more. He's showing, you know, as, as the conversation is going on, the information is starting to come faster and faster. And I'm kind of like not able to keep up with all the stuff. And I'm probably missing so many things that Ben said um, during this conversation, but it was really healing. Um, I think, I, you know, now, now that I had that conversation, I can honestly say, like, I, I feel no more fear towards the aliens. I, I'm not scared of them. I'm not afraid of them. Um, kind of, you know, just just from that conversation alone, it gave me so much insight because they they really do not understand human emotion. These particular aliens. I don't know about other types of aliens, but these particular aliens really. <laughs> really just don't understand humans and they don't they, they're trying to map us map our frequency map our hormones and then they're trying to uh put those into their hybrid children because what they want to do is they want to come in from space because they've been cloning themselves for a long period of time and they don't want to live out in space anymore because there's just not very many of them anymore they it's just something that they want to repopulate a planet. They have to change their DNA. They have to mutate back. And so they're very clear on calling us a bridge to that. And it, and it was like a, a respectful thing. They actually respect um, the people that they, <laughs> that they use, but it doesn't feel like that when it's happening to you. So, yeah, I was kind of like, you know, thanks for, taking so long to give me this information I could have used it a long time ago to feel better about what was happening to me but that you know again that's me being emotional and then really didn't have any emotions to give back so basically by the time I was ready to go to my doctor's appointment I was like then I gotta go I have to go to my doctor's appointment right now and he would not stop talking and he kept going and going and going about science and all these things and finally I was just like I have to go now and and it just ended and I was out of his head he was out of my head and that was it um so why do you think why do you think they they supplied you with all this insight what was the purpose of that right so I I have no idea um (laughs) 
Oh, come I, on. <laughs> I still have no idea. Yeah, well, I mean, I've reached out again, and I've been, you know, like, I, I am curious. I mean, the fear is gone for me because I got a lot of answers, and I, and a lot of them were just so what you would not expect. You know, a lot of it was just miscommunication. You know, they they couldn't reach the point of emotion that it takes to have a relationship with a human being and that lack of relationship that they have with people that they're abducting is what's causing the trauma in the people that they're abducting that lack of relationship that lack of you know hey why don't you just ask me if you want to take me ask me if you want to experiment on me and and you want to take things from my body ask my permission that was really hard for them to understand. Like Zen didn't really understand that concept of asking permission. It was more like you're doing a service to us, you know, <laughs> it was very strange. Well, I think a lot of people <laughs> that I've spoken to, um, have a lot of answers. And, uh, you also brought up the fact that, um, there may be other species. So, talk about that just briefly did you get some sort of insight that there's other species or are, oh, yeah. are we it and are they it there so there are more oh for sure not no no um yeah that uh that's the one thing that i can say with complete certainty is that this is just one species that i dealt with that was abducting me and and they're not even really a species because the they're actually mutating themselves as we speak so there, one of the things that I kind of gathered was this happens a lot, like mutation of species and changing from one polarity of physiology to another polarity. Isn't that, isn't that hard to, um, to understand when, when, you, when you start to think about like the universe? Because so much of what we know about electromagnetics and frequencies is very small like it's just such a small tiny bit of knowledge that we have as human beings and you know these species are vibrating at a totally polar opposite vibration than human beings are operating on so just that one species alone (laughs) i can't even imagine how many other species there are but it would be hard for me to imagine that in a world where you can change your entire DNA and, and mutate yourself to look that way. It, it's hard to imagine that there's, that it's just the one species out there. Um, because they're mutating as we speak. So, you know, they're becoming more human. And it's funny because we might even becoming more, we might be mutating ourselves more towards their their side of it because one of the things that he showed me which i thought was kind of interesting was um when i say show again it it was more like his thought was my thought and so it was like a warning and i kind of felt like he was warning me that we're doing the same things to ourselves to get where they are now which is they mutated themselves into the law of repulsion and you know here i am looking up how is this how is this possible you know how can you mutate yourself 
Well, it's interesting. Like, a lot of people are talking about, like, 5G right now. And 5G is, you know, a frequency, a very high vibrational frequency. And it's it's really interesting that people are talking about it. But um, based on what Zen was saying, these frequencies are different frequencies that what human beings live on. But other beings can live within those frequencies. You just wouldn't, you just wouldn't recognize what you were seeing um, because you might not even be able to see something living on a different frequency than what we live in. And that's kind of the hardest part about it all is that these beings, you know, they could, you know, they're moving in and out of our dimension. They're using frequency in a different way than we are. And when I started to look up some of the, you know, attributes, of, you know, these types of radiation on the human body, it's really interesting because what you start to find is you start to mutate your body, your cells, you start to lose your hair. You can lose your hair from frequency. You can, um, your cells can mutate from frequency. Your body, your physiology can change completely just because of frequency. So it, it, a lot of what you said does ring true when you start to like research it and and look into the science behind it. So I thought that was really cool. So, <laughs> so you're blowing my mind a bit. Only and here's why is because there there's a lot of things that I've been saying for a very very long time, like since I was in just a young lad in grade school, which was a long time ago, and. Um, you can listen to my podcast and I talk about this frequently is number one, they don't get us at all. I mean, they, um, they come down and they do things because they don't understand. And I always use these same examples. Um, we have objects, you know, we, we have, we spend our whole life with objects like footballs and tennis rackets and whatever. And they see that and they just don't get it. That's just one thing they don't get. And, um, you know, it's, it's, to me, that makes a lot of sense just because of the way they've lived and the way they've changed. Um, yeah, they have a complete lack of emotion and I've felt that I've been in the presence. Um, they've put me in that, in that, uh, for lack of a better term mode. So I feel that same way. I've felt that I know what that's like. Um, they're space travelers and, um, they've been out there in space a long time. A lot of people, have a hard time accepting the fact that, you know, oh, they all have to come from one planet or from another dimension or, or whatever. And I, and I tell people, I said, no, they're up there right now. I mean, they're space travelers. They've evolved in space. They've changed in space. They've changed the way they live and, and they, you know, evolve. I mean, they're up around our planet because it's a safe place, you know, and, um, they can inhabit that space. They can't live here on earth. Um, you know, even, even for many organisms we have on earth, oxygen is, is a killer, you know, and, and there's other things on this planet. They just can't, they, they can't do it because they've been in space so long. They've evolved and they've become literally, you know, the, the, the craft they're in is part of their lifeline. It's part of who they are is like, like a kidney would be to us, you know, um, completely. that craft is part of their world and it's, they're not going to live without it. Um, and to come down here and live here, which 
they may prefer. And when I say prefer, that's not even a word because they have no preference. They don't, they don't care about anything other than the perpetuation of the species. So they do whatever Completely takes, right. and they will change, you know, a human to, to suit their needs if they need to, whatever, but they just can't do it. So, um, you know, and I don't throw a lot of this out there and this is why it's because, you know, this is your story. Um, you know, I've had that experience too, where I was able to, um, be educated on their whole process, not their whole process, but some of it. And, and I have some insight there, yeah. but, uh, you know, if I tell people what I know, you know, I don't get these experiences like I'm having right now where you and I connect because we know those few things that I just listed. And right. of course there's more, but it's just crazy. So where did yeah, we, where did that, we come I up with that? that? Well, I think you you hit the nail on the head right there about, you know, they're not, they don't really want, from from the aliens that I spoke with, they don't really want to come here to Earth. There's other planets that are human-free, and they're really nice, but they come here to take from us, and and they take, you know, what they want, because we can't stop them, um, you know, now... I'm not saying people can't stop them for anybody who's listening. You, you know, there is, you can fight back. There's no reason not to. And if you don't want to be taken, then do what you have to do. Um, you know, do what you have to do. If, if you think that you're being taken, you can try doing what I did. You can try using, you know, EMF blockers. You can try, you know, disrupting their frequencies. You can try disrupting, the things that they do to take you, which is, you know, you don't have to make it easy for them. And there's no reason, there's no reason to just let them take us. That That's really frustrating for me is like, um, I spoke with um, a gentleman named uh, Paul Hellier and he is the um, kind of most person that I could really respect when I started looking into this who had been talking about aliens online I thought well this guy used to run the government and he seems really legitimate like he knows something Paul Hill you're from from Canada yes it seems like he he was speaking from a place of he probably knows more than he's actually saying um because you know what what I had remember when I told you about the UFO that said USA on it so in my mind Mm -hmm. I'm thinking does the government know about these things and why, what are they doing to stop these things from happening? Um, and I spoke with Paul Hellier and he was very kind. And he basically said that the government does know hundred percent and that they are doing nothing to stop the aliens because the aliens were supposed to work together with us and completely just didn't (laughs) just you know it was one of those things it just didn't work out and and so now there's kind of like a free-for-all like aliens are taking humans and humans are using their technology not all of us but some and it's just it's not really it's not really it's not right to be super honest I, I I think you know if anything I'm hoping that maybe a, a physicist, maybe a scientist, someone who works in these kind of fields will hear this podcast and, and maybe kind of say like, yeah, I know 
about these types of things. And, you know, if, if scientists out there are using these types of technologies and they're not using them for good and they're using them against their own people, I just want to say that I think that that's really wrong as well. We have a situation Especially too. Government. Yeah. And we have a situation too, where, you know, you and I as individuals, we, we know that, um, there's not a lot we can do. And as a society, if, if we knew that there was something up there that, you know, even posed some sort of threat that we can't even understand and there's nothing that we can do, then, um, that would be a big deal. It's kind of like right now. I mean, we're seeing, you know, literally what would happen um, if we if we if we just dropped the bomb and told everybody that you know there's these 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 aliens exist. Um, we would have a situation much worse than we have right now, and you know, with this virus that we can't control and that we can't um, understand. So, you know, there's that. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's remarkable that you know, they're, they could be so close and, and could visit us as us at will. The other thing that I mentioned too, and people talk a lot, especially where I grew up and where I am in Montana, talk about cattle mutilations and, and why, why, why? Well, you know, it's really, I I don't know why, I don't know why cows are getting mutilated, but I know that we're not, you know, and for some reason, um, they, they don't really consider us must much different from cows. However, you know, <laughs> they see us as these creatures that are able to manipulate these gigantic animals and many other animals all over the planet. And that they don't get. I mean, that is like, you know, it's like, you know, we have dominion over these, this, this whole creature yeah. population on earth. And obviously we, we, we are um, dominating all these creatures, and and they don't get that. So that's that's one thing that's concerning. Yeah, they just don't get it. They really no. just don't. They and, and they don't like to. They don't like to get in our heads. You know, they're telepathic creatures. They're vibrating at that frequency. We're sharing thoughts and reading thoughts is completely second nature for them. It's 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 something that you know for a person like me to be in the head of another creature is not normal. Right. But for that particular alien in my head, you know, it was like I could sense how disgusted it was, how how it was disgusted. It was disgusted with my feelings and my emotions. Right. And my my need to have a relationship. And I think one of the things that people are, you know, because we live in the law of attraction, because we're vibrating at that frequency, we are trying to have relationships with everything. They, they totally don't understand relationships at all. So, you, you know, even if that was my child, it didn't even have the, the response of child. It didn't really even know how to, you know, <laughs> it didn't even really have that whole like, oh, you're my mother or, oh, we're related. Because I definitely knew that we were related. But it, there was no connection, no feeling. And, and that's kind of scary if you think about it. I always know that you're, yeah. you know, I always got the sense that, uh, you know, they, they're, they're a creature that lives within another creature, which is this craft, you know, whatever, whatever you see it as here on earth, to me, it's not, it's not that it's, 
it's a, it's a, again, it's a part of them. It's, it's just like being an organism and their, their organs inside of this thing or whatever. But again, I mean, you, you threw out that thing that, that I've never heard too many people talk about is the fact that, you know, they're able to evolve at will. And when I say at will, it's not, it's not like they're going to, they're going to grow an extra arm just right now because they need one. But it, it, it's a, as a collective, they're able to do that. And it's not like they're putting their heads together and say, Hey, let's be a foot taller, which sounds really stupid, but it just (laughs) happens. You know, it's just as a collective species organism, all things, you know, they, they just, it just happens and it's to benefit them some way. And, uh, evolution. Right. And it's the weirdest thing. Or de-evolution. Or de-evolution. Or because, whatever. You know, honestly, you know, it's back and forth. Right. I right, mean, just right, imagine, right. just imagine for one second, you're flying in a spaceship. You're in the middle of space. You're totally alone. And inside of your spacecraft is your clone. When you can't go on anymore, you literally just transfer your consciousness to your clone and live again. It's just, it's just the saddest, most isolated, kind of depressing way to live. But the, but that consciousness is, is very, very shallow. I mean, there's not much to it. Right. Now, when I say there's not much to it. Right, it doesn't have any emotion. Right, to us. But, but there's something that, that they're getting from that life, or if you even, even call it a life, that is beyond what we can experience or even understand there. There's something there that they're getting. So this huge, huge drive to perpetuate the species. Um, and there's something there. And I'm sure a lot of people who've experienced them have different answers. I don't have any answer to that part because that's the thing that I find the most disturbing. And then the other thing that I find extremely disturbing is the fact that you know, without any consciousness or, or I'm sorry, not, I I should say without any, um, emotion, they'll take over us, manipulate us, make us do different things. But, you know, you showed that you could, you could tweak that a bit. And for some reason, I've always thought, even as, as a youngster that, that I had the ability to, to make this go away. It took me a lot longer maybe than you, but, uh, I felt I could make it stop just because, um, they seem to treat me a little different than others because, you know, I always called myself a troublemaker and in their presence, they had a hard time with me. And, um, I don't know what that was, but, um, again, I've mentioned him before my friend, um, Byron Lacey, who's had loads of experience like you have, I have, he um he carries a he carries a gun now because he he he's done with it you know mm-hmm. he he's over it he's over them so he carries a gun and you know and I thought well that's you know it's a possibility but then again just the the ability to carry a gun and and what sort of frequency or vibration you 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 impose on them is is enough to to make it stop and go away so. Even you have if, a really good point there. You have a really, really good point there. I think when you're dealing with telepathic creatures, when they go into your mind, and 
And I think that what they do is they attach to you when you're young and when you're, when you're soft and impressionable and they begin forming that uh, frequency with your body and they start to kind of, but, but they pick people who are not cruel. And I, and I, and I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart because I've talked to some other people. Um, I'm in a support group for this now because <laughs> you know, after a while, you just don't want to be alone anymore. You don't want to be by yourself. But what I've noticed, 100%, people who are abducted are just some of the nicest, kindest, sweetest people. They wouldn't hurt a fly. They wouldn't, um, they wouldn't punch a person in the face. They don't have this, they don't have violence in them. They're, and I think the reason why is because the aliens are telepathic they don't want to go into a violent mind because that's even more emotion than they can even handle. So they're choosing people that are not going to um, fight real hard. And I think maybe if you had that mentality where you were a troublemaker or, you know, you start carrying a gun and you start, you know, posing a threat to them, I think that does put a damper on their ability to easily abduct you. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's more like to me, I think it's a, it's like if, if whatever happens in my mind, if, if I, all of a sudden I'm, I'm this complacent person and then I can just switch it off and then project whatever the opposite of that would be, whether it be anger, hatred, whatever. Um, it seemed to be like, um, almost like a, um, gosh, I don't even know how to explain it, but maybe, maybe, um, some sort of epileptic shock to their their brain or whatever it is. I mean, yeah. all of a sudden you, you just, you have this and then they just freeze and they can't move or they can't, you know, it's, yeah. it's like almost, it's almost like the sleep paralysis they cause in us, you know, you're, you're kind mm-hmm. of switching. Extreme switching emotions it. can do that to them. And yeah. That it, makes a lot of sense. It's really hard to explain. And I, I, I'm just babbling here and trying to come up with those <laughs> words, but you know, it's, it's really hard to explain because, um, you know, I've been trying to explain it for such a, such a very, very long time. And, um, I, I can't do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, these aren't, these aren't a, a flesh and blood well, cr- I mean, creature like you I'm can actually, describe. I, I feel you're giving me an insight though because honestly like what you're saying is very true as far as you you have the power like you know if if one of the worst things about being abducted is the powerless feeling that we have but they initiate that powerless feeling by by paralyzing you by taking you and and putting you in positions where you can't control anything and but the truth is is that we actually have a lot more power than we realize. Once, you know, once I started to realize that and I started to realize that I had the power too, you know, all all gloves were off. I wasn't going to be taken anymore and I wasn't going to let them have any more control in my life. And, and it made it too difficult for them. So it's possible to break free from them. It is possible to keep them from coming into your home and from taking you. It's possible. It's just, hard for people to grasp the concept of how it's it's like I'm using like a weird word here but the aliens are 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 alien like they're not just other creatures they're like so far removed from from humankind 
that, you know, to be curious about them is one thing, but to realize that you have to fight them almost. And it's a a one-on-one thing too. That's why you don't, it's not a group thing. I mean, you're never going to see where, you know, they grab 16 people and, and, you know, start experimenting or or whatever on them. It's, it's a one-on-one thing. And yeah, it, it, and it goes back a long ways, you know, from, from when you were a, a young person to, to an adult. And, um, a lot of times it ends, you know, before a person becomes adult and, um, which is, which is I've very good. With men, it lasts a little, little bit longer with women. It seems, you know, like I was in a breeding program. I'm sure you've probably spoken to other women that are, that were sure. in those, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, once you kind of age out of those breeding programs, it's almost like they're just done with you. Right. You know, they wash their hands and, oh, they can't use you anymore, which is horrifying to think that. But, <laughs> again, they don't have feelings and emotions. And this is just the one alien. Like, I, I don't know a lot of other aliens. I don't know if there's nicer ones. You know, women are are, are far tougher than men, especially when it comes to um, <laughs> abuse and things like that. I, I truly believe that. Probably. You know, there, there's different ways that women deal with it than, than men do. Um, when men are abused, it's, it's, it's an attack on their manhood. When um, women are abused, they, they fight for their life. And they do that, you know, conceivably in many, many different ways, whether it be compartmentalizing pain or whatever. I mean, they have ability to, to use their mind to, to change things for, number one, for the better for themselves at the moment. But then again, they can deal with that, you know, throughout their lifetime. And that's, I think why, you know, many women put up with horrible men for a long time because they're able to, to change themselves, you know, just individually for the moment. Um, so I truly believe that, yeah, it's, you know, they, they're going to treat, uh, women differently than men because we're so so different which they can't even conceive that yet or whether you know they just know that they run into uh, something that they can't oh yeah for sure that's actually a good point too that you're making because I forgot to mention that that then wasn't even didn't even have a sex he wasn't female he wasn't right. male they don't they don't have the same they don't have sexes like we do and that, one of the things that um that he told me that was kind of weird. When I say he, it's because I, what am I supposed to do? Call him an it? I always called him the, the, <laughs> I guess the I guess guys. The, the thing, guys, yeah. the creature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, one of the interesting things was when I, when I inquired about the baby, um, they had handed me the baby. And when I remember how I told you, I handed the baby back. Right. I really just didn't want to hold it. Well, one of the things that then told me was that they, had tried to imprint hormonal response into the baby and it had failed. So it's interesting because when we are interacting with these aliens, if we were awake, we would feel a natural repulsion to them. That's something that we can't really change because I think that's part of the reason why it's, you know, these relationships just aren't occurring. You know, people, you know, the, the grays or whatever aliens these are aren't having relationships with people because it's almost like an insect. You know, you, you, and I hate to say this because I feel bad when I do this, but I see a spider and I kill it. And I know that's 
terrible. My husband puts them outside kindly, but I scream and within seconds, my shoe is off and I am like, I'm killing the spider. I'm murdering it. I'm like, (laughs) get out of my life. It's very much kind of like that with, with the aliens, you're experiencing a creature that is on such a different vibration than you. It's almost like an immediate repulsion. You just, you're disgusted. You want to get away from it. I think that might be part of the reason why they don't interact with us. They don't interact with us on a awake basis because they don't want to feel the repulsion that we have. I mean, they can't really feel it, but for them to hear or feel in our heads, you know, to see in our heads, to telepathically experience the revulsion that a human would have for them. I think that might be also part of why the experiences that people have are, you know, either unconscious, blacked out, or just, you know, maybe not even really know that it's happening to them. Some people might even just wake up in the morning and, you know, brush off some of those bruises, not think anything of it. Yeah. And when you're awake, you can make better decisions. I mean, it seems like when you're sleeping, it's, it's, um, you're kind of at the will of whatever, whatever the thought is. But when you're, when you're awake, you can, you have that fight flight, instinct and um it becomes pretty strong so i don't think that they want to deal with that no they don't want to deal with us when we're awake for sure i mean human beings are human beings are strong stronger than we think stronger than we give ourselves credit for i mean they have to basically put us down like a tiger you know like the way that we treat tigers you know we we stick a needle in them completely knock them out move them to where we want to put them, you know, sometimes we can impregnate them. Like we do the same things to animals and, you know, I'm not an animal. I'm a, I'm a human being. So I'm not going to let them treat me like that. So my thought is that, um, you know, earth is a great place to hang around. Um, earth is a great place to be near, but, uh, to actually inhabit earth is an impossibility unless the planet was drastically different and it would be have to be unbelievably different um so yeah i think that uh you know they're there and and they um they they have an interaction with us and and uh i think that interaction has something to do with them perpetuating themselves and becoming something that will last indefinitely um I think somehow we aid in giving them the ability to um, inhabit space seemingly forever and the ability to um, to carry on as a, a species forever. And that's really all that they, they care about. And um, they may not even understand why that's a thing. But, um, <laughs> but s- somehow we play a part. And um, to me, that's unfortunate because, you know, we we've been here for quite some time and this is our place and, and our time. But as we know right now, um, there's going to be interruptions in, in our own life that, um, are so drastic that we look at ourselves as, as not being so tough after all. Oh, you know what? We'll just have to get tougher. I'm ready to be tough. We'll just have to toughen it up a little bit. So I wanted to put a little plug in on your website there. You're a writer. Yep. Can, can you tell everybody what your website is and, and what they will find? And I I think now it's going to grow because you have something more to tell. 
<laughs> well, it's not. I only have a couple short stories on my website right now, but you're welcome to take a look at them. It's www.circleofeternity.com. And um, they're just short stories that I've written for a couple um, uh, a couple little magazines here and there. And um, I do have a couple books that I've been working on, which, you know, of course, I'm the ultimate, like, procrastinator. I have probably three or four novels that I've written that are sitting on my bookcase. And uh, they tell you this all the time. They say, don't write for yourself. Remember, write for other people. But... <laughs> I keep writing for myself, so <laughs> eventually I will I will try to publish some of these books. And uh, so, um, they're not books on aliens. That's the that's the irony of it all. Is I, I really don't write a lot about aliens because, like I said, I I I never really was interested in the aliens as much as I was the technology and the science part of it. Um, so I write science fiction, and uh, that's kind of my passion is is. Um, writing kind of like more like fantasy fantasy science fiction so an extraordinary night for a podcasting and my guest and this is the first time you've been on a show yes for wow. sure the first time well, thanks for <laughs> thanks for um thanks for the pleasure of of allowing me to do this it's it's um, a great honor well, for thank me thank you oh it was such a pleasure and you made it so painless and um, I'm sure that we'll talk again soon and, um, I really appreciate you giving a platform to, um, this type of thing. It's, it's, uh, it's really amazing. So thank you. Yeah. We better do it again with some updates and again, an extraordinary night for podcasting. Serena Radcliffe. Thank you so much. Thanks you. My Alien Life Podcast. You can find my website at www.myalienlifepodcast.com and please subscribe to my latest downloads at iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and at podbean.com. And please follow me and like me on Facebook and Twitter. My Alien Life is written and produced for broadcast at Studio 254 in the Northern Rocky Mountains. The music you are hearing is produced and created by Elion. You can find all Elion's work online at Heart Dance Records. Thank you.